Hi, I'm Sophie and I haven't seen a lot of films. Hi, I'm Paul and I'm here to help with that. And we are SP Film Viewers. We're now in the middle of Monster March. Hmm. <laughs> and Admittedly, so far, the hits to misses have been kind of low. Kind of. Especially shocked that our previous one was pretty pretty bad. It's really bad. <laughs> Can't wait for Monster March to be done. But I've, I've got pretty high expectations that you probably like this one. I don't know, you you kind of saying that, that makes me think, hmm, I don't know. You know, like when somebody goes, oh, this is an amazing film. And then, like, somebody, some, a critic, yeah. rates it, like, outstanding. Yeah, I know what you mean. And then I'm like, oh. You have high expectations to going in. Yeah, so I'm trying to squander music. it. So that you saying I'm going to like it, I'm like, mm, maybe but, I won't. And but, then it'll, I'll be pleasantly surprised. But the reason with this one is because it's a musical. and. You generally like things that have musicals in them, so... I do. Singing in the Rain, La La Land. And dirty Dancing. If you... mm. I mean, obviously that's not... But well, I like mean, dancing, yeah, yeah. then, is musical, yeah, yeah. like, God. <laughs> well, no, that, but I'm just saying things that are, like... <laughs> yeah. Iconic music. Yeah, so. yeah. And the film is Little Shop of Horrors, directed by Frank Oz, who has done work with the Muppets, because he... Voices one of a few of the Muppets. Kermy. No, um, like Fozzie Bear. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Miss Piggy, I believe. Are you telling me Miss Piggy is a man? I'm pretty sure that's right. Are you really? Well, until you get your facts, I can't, I'm not believing that. A few moments later. Yep. Frank Oz is a British-born American actor, filmmaker and puppeteer. He began his career as a puppeteer, performing the Muppets characters of Miss Piggy, Fozzie Bear... Animal and Sam Eagle in The Muppet Show. And, and Cookie Monster, Bert and Grover in Sesame Street. <laughs> no man can do that noise. No, no, I'm not having it. That's when a woman is truly miffed off. <laughs> That's how I feel about Monster March at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, you learned something there. And I kind of learned something there. I didn't know he did that. I know you could tell with some of the inflections of the voices, he does like Sam the Eagle. An animal. Yeah, and now I've completely forgot what you were trying to tell me about this film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a shock. That he directed it as well. Oh, okay. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, obviously, the, the, collection, the connection there being, in a way, the fact that there's the, the creature or the monster in this is puppeteered, basically. Okay. So, Can't be that like scary, then. CGI or... Unless it's like a sketchy, they're a bit freaky. Who did he get to do the puppeteering? Same people that do the Muppets. Because they don't, don't, don't they do Dark Crystal as well? Or same. Jim Henson. Did. Yeah. Is it? And then Frank Oz Park directed that as well. So. Just thinking, if he's done voiceovers for the Muppets, he's got connections. So what you'd get? Yes, there was there was people who worked on from the Muppet Show helped when Dark Crystal essentially as well. So. Okay, right. That's yeah. promising then. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, Dark Crystal, Puppet, somebody who voices Miss Piggy that directed it. Okay. And it's a musical? Yes. Okay. Yeah. What so, else? What do you mean? What else can you tell me? The, what the synopsis is? Yep. Yeah. I'm intrigued. In the hopes of turning around the fortunes of his failing floral business, a nerdy florist purchases a bloodthirsty plant from a Chinese street vendor. You need flytrap. Kind of. That's the only bloodthirsty plant I can think <laughs> of. Is it going to be like off um, Mario? You're on, the, big... you, you're, you're on the right lines, yeah, yeah, the red and white spotted thing, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that's not going to be scary. Just don't go near it. It's not got legs, has it? It's in a pot, so unless it can jump, then whoever dies by it is, is clearly stupid, <laughs> in my opinion. 
no, you know, clearly just don't go near okay. it, right? And then you, I know you won't have a movie, but yeah, <laughs> in, the, in theory, yes, yeah. But there's everything. There's a bit. There's a bit more to it than that. Oh, okay. To be fair, it's, just... it's not completely. It's not just solely a head. Okay. So got arms, vines. Okay, got it. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're getting it. Yeah. <laughs> And when we come back after watching the film, we'll have another person joining us to discuss the film. Are we just leaving people in suspense? Or are you going to say? We can let her introduce herself, can't we? We'll let let you know it's a she, so we've got a bit of girl power. Well, we'll see from the title, and if they skip ahead a little bit, they'll soon hear who it is anyway. So Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's not quite like leaving it a week and then going back to it a week later mm-hmm. to find out who it yeah. is. Yeah, so. it should be good. Yeah. So we'll speak to you shortly. If you were to put a, a strange and interesting plant like this here in, in the window, then then maybe... Maybe what? Maybe what? Do you have any idea how ridiculous you sound? Just because you put a strange and interesting plant in the window, people don't suddenly... Excuse me, I couldn't help noticing that strange and interesting plant. What is it? It's an orchard, too. I've never seen anything like it before. No one has. Where did you get it? Well, you remember that total eclipse of the sun about a week ago? And we're back from watching Little Shop of Horrors. And we are not alone this time in what we're about to review, as we have a very, very, very special guest coming out of podcast retirement for one time only. We have Gemma from the Skip to the End (laughs) podcast joining us. Hello, Gemma. Hello there. It's very creaky where I've been. (laughs) So it's nice to be out uh, in the uh, in the world of podcasting again as i am very very happy to have you on because uh, a lot of people know that the skip to the end podcast was one of the inspirations for wanting to start the show of ours so i feel very privileged to have you as a, a guest and to be talking about a film you're very fond of well it's very very sweet of you uh, the the pleasure is all mine if i'm <laughs> honest so thank you for letting me come onto your podcast so i'm, I'm very very grateful but yes i'm I'm extremely excited to be talking about some crazy, sassy intergalactic plants with you. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, what is your relationship with this film? Is is this something that you've kind of seen from your childhood or what's your what's your background? Funnily enough, it's a film that I didn't really have a big relationship when I was younger. I think it's one of those films that bypassed me as I was mm. growing up so I I absolutely loved musicals growing up you know I, I I had Disney everywhere I was a big big fan of Greece and of course the greatest musical of all time Greece too but for some reason for some reason Little Shop of Horrors always went the other way so I kind of just you know went on about my life and then as I got older sort of in my 20s I started noticing certain pop culture references that I knew was associated with the film so for example uh, Family Guy where they did a, um, a parody of Somewhere That's Green so a lot of references uh, uh, from The Simpsons and South Park in regards to Audrey too and then I suppose I kind of linked everything together so I thought let's give it a let's give it a watch one day and it's just a gloriously camp and wonderful and fantastic musical that's obviously got a little bit of B-movie monsterness to it as well. But it's it's just it's so joyful. I actually agree. So Paul does this thing every March, and this is going to be the last one, which I'm grateful for, is he calls it mm-hmm. Monster March, and this is where we're at. Ah. And I, I'm not going to lie, I'm not a big monster film girl. <laughs> so I think my best monster film I would say is Godzilla like that's like my highlight I love Godzilla wait well, you like King Kong as well the the <laughs> Peter Jackson one you said yeah but still Godzilla he's it's just there's no brainer yeah yeah well, yeah I can attest to that <laughs> great yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and so that's like my bar <laughs> of a monster march film really yeah. so 
we've had quite a few this month where it's been a bit of a slog for me and I've been like I do not want to do Monster March ever again until (laughs) (laughs) until I come up with this one thinking right Sophie's probably going to like this because she really likes musicals like Singing in the Rain is is now probably her (gasps) favorite film oh oh I'm so with you on that just a hallowed piece of cinematic marvelness beautiful it's amazing and it just makes you want to dance yes. <laughs> it's just yeah. i know paul's on about it's now coming out in 4k so it even looks even more yeah, amazing i'll probably be picking that up <laughs> to add to this collection oh yeah. that's that definitely needs to be watched immediately mm-hmm. i'll yeah. go get that on my list too <laughs> <laughs> so i think for me it's i was like oh okay little shop of horrors I didn't know you kind of read the, the blurb to me don't you yeah, yeah, get yeah. the gist of what it's about and I was like mm-hmm. okay not sure how I'm feeling but the amount of stuff that I knew because I've never seen this film before ever I've this is the first time I've watched it and feed me Seymour how many times has that been on something and I've not known what it meant <laughs> <laughs> everywhere right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I probably <laughs> even said it and not known why I've said yeah, yeah. it just one of those things that again mm-hmm. pop culture is just so ingrained in with with that saying yeah. and 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 some very silly little bits that you might have seen on tv and stuff like i don't know why i want to add on though feed me seymour i am your neighbor i don't know what that is is that something I'd, or have i just made that up i think you've made that up <laughs> maybe i don't know something. i don't know i don't i don't re- no <laughs> i don't recall it not even like you know maybe in an episode of like coronation street but no that's that's a new one. <laughs> I don't know if it's a song or if it's. I, I think uh, it wasn't a song in this. So yeah. Uh, uh, no, I mean I'll I'll use it in a uh, sentence. Wait. <laughs> I think maybe, maybe I, next maybe, week. I'll just the only see what I, I get. The only thing I can think of that you might be t- twigging. I think maybe it's the Outcast song. Let, Polaroid let, picture one. Lend me some sugar. I am your neighbour. <laughs> oh. No, not feed me Seymour. I, oh, I was thinking about like Miss Jackson. Like, you know, <laughs> feed me Seymour. Ooh, I am your neighbor. But then that doesn't work. It's not the lyrics. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's it. I don't know. Maybe it is. That could I just, be it. I, th- I think we've I think we've tackled that, guys. That's good. Yeah. I think I merge. I do <laughs> do this, don't I? I merge so many things together. Like I think I've got a bit of really? a goldfish brain. Yeah. So stuff <gasps> some stuff sticks. And then other yeah. things just don't. And Feed Me Seymour has been in my head probably more than mm. I'm a Because re- I, I probably say it when I'm hungry. And I'm like, but I don't know why I've been oh. saying it until this film. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes together eventually. Yeah. Like peanut butter and jelly. jelly. Exactly, you know, it's two yeah. things merged together. And, and this is it. Feed Me Seymour. I am your neighbour. <laughs> Magic. Really? Yeah. <laughs> For me, the... The first time I saw that, I think, was in like a university. But interestingly enough, the reason I wanted to do this film is because when you guys skipped to the end did the um, the latest comeback special, you did a, it was a twenty yep. twenty one, and you were talking about top three best director's cuts endings. Yeah, that's things the like one. That. And you brought up Little Shop of Horrors, and I, I didn't know mm-hmm. there was a director's cut where it was a completely different ending to how um, I had seen it from the theatrical cut of uh, yeah. Little Shop of Horrors, where, like, spoilers, that at the end of that film, they, live, <laughs> they go off and live happily ever after, as when it's total carnage with what happens in the end of the, in the director's cut. So I was like, what? I've got to, like, check this out. So I'd obviously seen up to a certain point of, like, various times of seeing the film but not the how the director's cut ending was so I was kind of intrigued to know how that plays out and if it would if it like was made it the film any better and I'm going to say right off the bat it it really does make a difference and it works in its favor mm-hmm. tenfold oh it's it's marvelous and I really like that something like that really does kind of turn the film on its own axis you know, and especially with the themes that we see throughout the film, you know, mm-hmm. there's there's so many layers to the whole film. You know, I mean, one of the core messages I got from that, it's very much all about capitalism. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, with the original ending, it's all very much like that's the dream. You know, you buy yeah. things to make yeah. you happy. Yeah. But with this, like, it's almost like the, the consumerism eats up everybody going out to buy all these things. And therefore, everybody is, uh, for want of a word, 
a little bit messed. <laughs> so it, it kind of, it. I didn't want to swear. I'm sorry. I, I swear too much on the podcast. So I really oh, want to go and okay. make this quite nice to okay. hear. So I want to use a bit more wording. But yeah, every everyone gets a little bit fudged, shall we say. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I do, I love... <laughs> I love I love how chaotic it is at the end because it's literally like they've just ripped out all the rule books and just gone just get on with it just do what you got to do and I love that and, and you never see that in uh, musicals in sort of Broadway ad- adaptations although I believe that was the original Broadway adaptation yeah that's that's why I would do research onto it yeah and that's what it was kind of said that it was that was the original intent anyway so obviously they probably mm. wouldn't have had smashing into buildings and stuff like <laughs> no no it, to, to some degree they must have done something <laughs> to be like ah this the, the plants take over the world or something I don't know but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I, I love the fact that you don't often see a lot of films with that ambiguity towards the end. I think um, film audiences are very much conditioned to believe in a happy ending, you know, mm-hmm. whether it be, uh, you know, I don't know, like a love story, whether it be a drama, whether it be a crime where um, a crime story where things get solved and it's a neat little bow and people move on. Yeah. But I mean, this really does deal with the fact that the whole city is just run amok with big green cacti that's got a bit of space in them you know just running <laughs> yeah. amok um but I, I and and of course you know set with like kind of that kind of doo-wop kind of music in the background so it it just makes such a surreal viewing but I, I love it I, I it's one of my favorite favorite endings and um yeah boo hiss to traditional cinema viewers I know especially the fact that you know like they put all that effort to to do that and then the test audiences were like nah we we want the happy right. ending yeah <laughs> to be someone who like you know like my, my job doing like animation stuff or you know like drawings and stuff and then for someone to be like nah we want to change this whole section that you worked hours and hours on I'm like <laughs> fuming mm-hmm. about it so it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm livid yeah. livid yeah. <laughs> it's quite strange for me because this is the only ending I knew so Obviously, this is my first yeah. watch, and then I've just seen the pure carnage. I'm not going to lie; I am a typical cliche happy ending girl. Normally, all that's, good. That's yeah. how good. I would normally go. Yeah. And you did show me the ending, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I did. Well, a clip, bit on, like... clip on YouTube. So, yeah. uh, how mm-hmm. did how does it compare, really, in, in retrospect? Obviously, from a happy path, yeah, okay, it would be nice if Audrey and Seymour did get together and they could live a happy life because you do feel like they are down in the dumps and they deserve that happy mm. ending because obviously they've been struggling and they're the underdogs. I'm, I'm British, so I'm going to root for an underdog and want them to have yes. a happy ending. <laughs> but at Absolutely. the same time, I do enjoy the full carnage at the end. I just don't feel like the plant should have got, like, being able to have poor Audrey and then like Seymour and then it'd be like the plants won that was my only kind of like hmm but I don't know how I'd wanted it to end differently because I don't think Mm -hmm. the ending of the little white picket fence was enough yeah yeah sorry I feel like it needs to be somewhere in the middle so not full carnage Mm -hmm. where everyone dies but (laughs) not completely like oh la-di-da walking down like with a picnic basket yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's um the price of commercialism you know you you kind of you know these these products that we're conditioned to go out and buy and ensure that our life is enriched in order to buy these products they're just going to come out and take over and I just I kind of like that little touch that it's very much nudge nudge wink wink but also I kind of feel that story is very ahead of our time because now we're in the age of um, the age of Instagram, the age of influencers, the age of, you know, people doing the bare minimum, but they get thousands and thousands of pounds and adoration and fans just because they drink a certain drink or they're wearing a certain brand of clothing. It, it's hmm. so far ahead of it. And it's like they knew what they were doing. They they saw this coming in. And now, now look, it's, you can't move for a Kardashian these days. <laughs> So true. true. At least it's a plant, though. I will. I did enjoy the scene. Yeah. Of it being because we've just moved in. Well, I say that we moved in just at, well in between lockdown, did we? Yeah, yeah. I think we eventually oh, got no in. No way. Yeah. Gosh. 
And blimey, actually had we have a lovely garden that we came to, and I know nothing about gardening yeah. until I came to my house, and so I kind of related mm-hmm. to the fact that Simo was like, "I'm giving you everything. I'm watering you. I'm feeding you. I'm doing everything you want. What do you want of me?" And at the moment, we've got a bonsai tree, and I'm feeling the same way. Oh, 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 oh no! <laughs> I feel like. PTSD when I had a bonsai tree like I just gonna go in the corner and cry now because I did not have a good experience with that I just I loved too much that was my problem that's the same with me I'm getting that way because it flourished and I gave it some baby bio and then I was watering it I think yeah too much. oh and now it's like a twig and I'm like does it need to be thrown in the bin I don't know oh do you need to get some blood or yeah <laughs> yeah did you use um? Did you use one of those things that you you stick in the the soil and it just kind of feeds itself or it drips feeds itself with the no, solution? I have not used. Don't it. use it. I oh. think that was the cause of death. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it did end up. <laughs> it did end up like in winter, you know, and all the, like the leaves are gone, and you just got yeah. this sparse stick of a tree. Yeah, and I I convinced myself I was like it's still alive, it's still alive, but I might as well just had it on stilts, you know, just doing like a little marionette. Mm-hmm. Nothing, just I I I love them, but I am so scarred by them. It's emotionally draining, and I understand how Steve really? feels because <laughs> it's like, what do you want? <laughs> I think it's that point of where he's like, do you really want blood? That that scene where he does that, yeah. But kind, yeah. I can't even do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like seeing this little, seeing this little plot, just do like kissy lips too. Like, <laughs> what? Yeah. What are they thinking? Hey, I know. What are they thinking? And it just that that scene stays in my head. though yeah, yeah. it does, and yeah. I don't know why. And I, he's thinking, <laughs> no, I will. And you can see this kind of like his morals. He's really testing well, himself as the, as the song kind of. Says anyway, yeah. Yeah, should yeah. I, shouldn't I? And <laughs> then he thinks, well, because we've had a Viennese fly trap, and I feel like this is like the equivalent as well. And I killed that. <laughs> How do you kill one of those? You just starve them of like you just give them like a vegan diet, just go, you're having yeah. leaves. Like, no, one I can't ever happen. I was just feeding it water and then it never got any flies or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now the way of the sun. And oh, I feel so bad for it but but again you know a vegan diet is really uh very environmentally friendly so I hope it realized <laughs> Paul was like you should have given it some of your blood and it might have lived <laughs> you no. imagine the consequences exactly yeah. I could have been like Simo, you could have been Audrey Paul <laughs> <gasps> and you'd look like Donna Reed <laughs> Do we want to talk about the um, songs for a minute as well? Like, I mean, revisiting these and then obviously like after shortly after watching the film, like the past couple of days, we've been putting the the, uh, the soundtrack on Spotify again. And it's just so good. Like, yes, there's always catchy. I I really like the whole like soul vibe the the film's got going for it. I really big into like the R&B and soul and the rap music Mm -hmm. is like kind of like the urban, the urban (laughs) uh, themes of of music. (laughs) The urban. My jam. But (laughs) Um, it just, just something about it is it's really just catchy and just, just easy going really for me. Mm. Yeah, it it really is. I said to yeah. Paul the other day, um, this kind of reminded me of an early kind of scene. So like Disney related it is Disney, isn't it? Before you think you're thinking of like yeah, yeah you said um, Hercules, didn't you? Like the that the Greek chorus that the um the I don't know what the name is of them, but the, the women on the vase. The muses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Straight away, then three women. I was like, oh my gosh, it's Hercules for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. I really do. I love how they are meant to be school children, kind of like teens, but then they come in these like sassy, glamorous outfits when they're singing, and it just brings this whole new edge to it. It's amazing. And um, one of my favourite songs, so I've got, there's three in particular I absolutely love. You know, I love Skid Row uh, towards mm-hmm. the beginning of the film. Yeah. I love uh, Steve Martin as Orin for the dentist song. I think that is just a hoot and a half and you just can tell he's having the time of his life. But mm-hmm. personally, my favourite one, and I feel really weird saying it because it's more of a, a sound you make when you're singing, but it's Dadu. 
And it's the yeah. one where, um, you know, Rick Moranis' character, he's uh, Seymour, is um, saying how he came across the plant and just the way how the whole song is structured. Because what Moranis does so, so well is he kind of plays up to the fact that, you know, he's trying to explain his day, but do it where he's keeping in time with the rhythm. He's keeping in with the, the atmosphere of the song yeah. and like getting the story to the point. And it's a classic like Broadway or West End trope where they kind of, it's that talking kind of singing like ness yeah. about it. And I, I just love how that whole song kind of fits in very, very nicely to get to where it goes to for the, for the story. So, and as well, like just the background of like the, the three ladies um, throughout the films, where it's just, it just captures that whole Ronette Supreme yeah. kind of Shangri-La's vibe of like the girl groups in the 1960s. That's right. Yeah, I think the names of them are one of them is called Ronette as well. So I think the the, the ah. names of the girls are like it's Crystal, Chiffon, and Ronette. So I think they're based on the sixties oh. acts of the yeah the, the, the Motown days. So that kind of makes makes sense. And yeah, those the songs that where they're featured in obviously they're 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 quite high up there. I think. But for me, my favorite songs are when Audi Two is singing. By is it Levy Levy Stubbs? I think from the Four Tops who does the the, the voice and he's just yes Levy Stubbs yeah 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 yeah, yeah he's, 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 he's I don't know there's something about it was obviously again more soulful baritone voice that he's got going on and everything like that and it's it's just incredible to to hear that kind of coming out of a what I think is an excellent creature design. I love the way how the plant is designed. You're absolutely right. I just it's um again like even with the whole film it feels like it's literally from the stage to the screen mm. yeah, i think yeah. it's done so so well and um you know you tend to get a lot of musicals that kind of run away with the fact that they're filming in the real world and i think this film kind of encapsulates it perfectly and absolutely it does this to the best of its ability with the um, the character of audrey i love the fact that it's all practical effects Yes. There's no CGI, there's no computer-generated imagery. This is somebody's hard work. And it it's just so beautiful to kind of see this creature grow and grow and grow. No, I'm I'm a big I'm all for having practical effects in, in films. Way prefer that to any like any CGI stuff that they churn out and just for a quick fix of you know, oh, this will this will look all right, I guess, and then it doesn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> where where should we start with some examples? <laughs> <laughs> it's too many to count these days. I think is the <laughs> is the problem. But um, uh, yeah, it's it's it just it just amazes me. Like especially looking back at it more in more like focusing on it a lot more. Like oh my god, I can't actually believe they actually managed to pull this off with you know like essentially what Jim Henson Company kind of did to kind of mm-hmm. produce this thing and you can kind of I guess you can kind of tell with the fact that it's kind of like you know Frank Oz directed and everything and he's had a big hand in the the Muppets and everything so he kind of knows about the ins and outs of all that kind of stuff and everything but I I could just can't just imagine like how much effort they must have done I know they kind of looking into research they kind of like slowed the puppet down because obviously it's not talking that fast as it's doing (laughs) that's kind of just sped up for the purpose of the film but even so to operate the mouth movements and all Mm. the other like the the vines, the tendrils and all the stuff that's got going mm-hmm. on. It just, just seems mind-blowing to think how much time and effort that would have been to operate all those mechanics behind the scenes. Yeah. yeah. I, I love the, the colours that are used too. You mm-hmm. know, I feel like they really found an opportunity rather than try and make it realistic or, you know, really find its grounds of, you know, what would a large plant look like? What would vines look like? They've just really gone in and go, no, this is a fantasy film. It's larger than life, you know. And, and again, it's that flamboyant kind of camp element to it, which makes movies, especially like Broadway musicals, so magical. And I just love the fact that they really just didn't care about realism and what realism mm-hmm. should represent. They just had so much fun with it. And I think that really animates... Um, you know that the voice that the character of it made it, it it was just perfect just really really perfect it really is isn't it <laughs> and to be fair this consumer side of things daft as it is if i didn't know that this plant would eat me i would probably be the <laughs> sucker that would fall into this where it would be like yeah, yeah. i want an audrey too definitely because it's beautiful mm-hmm. until it starts talking to me and then i'd freak out <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Oh, yeah, just throw it across the room. Just get some holy water on it. Yeah. I'm good at killing plants, but I think... Yeah. <laughs> Black belt right here. <laughs> I do think, though, when you said it was... Because um, I straight away said about Dark Crystal, because you said it's a... I want to oh. say puppet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. then straight away I was like, oh, yeah. what kind of... Are we dark? Is it like Dark Crystal? What, what kind of level are we going to go to? Because mm. I didn't know what kind of... Obviously, I knew it was in a florist, so there was going to be a plant, but my head was going a little bit darker than what we get with oh, really? Audrey too. Yeah. yeah. So I was going thinking, oh, it's going to be mm. more like that crystal kind of sketchy, maybe dark that way, but it's no. not. And it's I love the fact that it's a scary, monsterish film, but in such a classic kind of musical way. Yeah, you yeah. Want, I don't feel like there's any other film out there like this. And I think that's what makes it, special yeah exactly that's what I, I I'd agree with you on that yeah 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 I mean I'm even just thinking about musicals that have come and gone in the past what 30 40 years too I can't even think of anything that comes near to it I know that there's a um a zombie musical called Anna and the Apocalypse which is kind of it's pretty damn cool like it's very very yeah, yeah. good but that's that's the only thing uh, or um I don't know if Little Monsters is one of them with Lupita Nyong'o I don't know if that's a musical again it's um apocalyptic and zombie-esque but I can't think of another monster-esque musical that has kind of worked alongside with uh, what Little Shop of Horrors has achieved no I can't either really and I mean there's that sense of the the fact that it kind of like well I know it was obviously filmed in a studio but it kind of like has that theatrical background to it and everything in terms of like what the visuals of where where the locations are and everything but that doesn't take away from the fact in fact that makes it more endearing really in a way that it's not like a big like oh it's you know in New York down walking down the streets and it's kind of stuff it's all kind of feels like it's almost like a storybook land I guess in a sense yeah. to reflect the stage performance I I kind of felt like it it made the world more compact but it made you feel part of the community. Like you were in that neighborhood, you were in Skid Row and um, you you kind of didn't know what side of sort of the the class that you would fall fall into. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I think, and that's another good thing about this film, the fact that it, I think it highlights uh, race, poverty, class, um, as well as obviously capitalism. Mm -hmm. But so therefore, like when you start to get to know certain characters like Audrey, like Seymour, you find like you're really rooting for them. You feel Mm -hmm. a lot more compassion to them than you would if it was a larger kind of world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. I agree completely. I always feel like I get kind of attached to certain characters and then I know it's a good film if I feel that way. So for me, I always can laugh at me. Samwise Ganji is my favorite. Like, I don't care about Frodo. <laughs> yep, yep, absolutely. <laughs> if it wasn't for Sam, he would not have achieved anything. And I feel like that's always like if you've got somebody in a film that's kind of makes you root for them, then they've done the story writing perfect. Yeah, yeah. And this has two characters that you want to have do well. Mm-hmm. But the dentist. So <laughs> oh. First of all, I, I forgot his name. Who's uh, is or, or, is it Orin? I think Orin. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's it, the actor? He, so uh, I've seen him in Steve Martin. Is the I've uh-huh. only seen him in good roles. So like Father of the Bride. He's always been a nice character. So this was really a shock to me <laughs> with him being like this mean character because yeah. I've never seen that before. I don't know if it is in any other films that he's not uh, a nice um, person. Is it, would, I don't is, know. Is, is is the jerk because oh, the jerk the jerk is he's he's a nice character in the jerk he's, he's kind remember. of a sweetheart yeah. in that one yeah but you you're right I he's not usually that much of a that much of an a-hole yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. been in this one because he is not nice he's, he's not. so mean <laughs> such a mean guy I've got I was I went to the dentist on Wednesday and we watched this that <sighs> weekend and I was like oh my goodness I do not want to go now after seeing that I was absolutely mortified I don't like going to the dentist the best of times and then it was like this is like my worst nightmare <laughs> on TV now but he gets he gets real kick out of other people's displeasure and pain you know and if you didn't if you took out the concept of him uh, basically being uh, abusing Audrey yeah. and you just kind of get introduced to him straight away when he's doing uh, the dentist scene 
Yeah. You'd think, oh God, oh, he's a bit of a rogue, isn't he? But no, the guy's actual trash. He is massive human garbage. But kind of weird when he kind of meets his match with uh, a cracking cameo by Bill Murray, where he oh, loves the pain. Yeah, yeah, I forgot My favourite! Being... <laughs> like, like, yes! Yeah, being like a masochist, like, oh, I enjoy it. I'm really yeah. enjoying this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's like, oh, that's when they take your jaw out. Oh! It's like, <laughs> calm down, Mr. Murray. <laughs> Have a Solero. Chill out. I do love anything that bill murray does he's just oh, golden yeah, yeah. oh my god yeah like oh kingpin i think is like my favorite form of bill murray <laughs> like i could i could watch him and his crazy hairpiece for days <laughs> never get bored yeah. speaking of hair pieces we've got also what john candy in this as well don't we <gasps> cracking bit of hair piece yeah. in the top 10 for sure <laughs> amazing how does he quaff it yeah. it's so it's like I'm mesmerized. Like, does he blow dry inwards, or does he have like a curling tongue? Like the one with the clip. Like <laughs> I'm. I. I mean, I love the guy. He was. He was an incredible actor. He's just really, really great. But that hair was on point. <laughs> but that whole scene. That whole scene where, because he's kind of this weird, wacky radio DJ. Yeah. And he pretty much just makes an entire weird monologue all to himself. Well, bless Seymour's just there with little Audrey, just <laughs> wanting to like have a shot on the radio, and he's talking about his mother-in-law's come in and someone's dead, and it's like, oh, but really, hi, how are you? It's just, <laughs> I just loved. Uh, you could tell like that was all probably just all on the spot, all like yeah. improvised straight away. But that was that was just how great John Candy was. Like, what two minutes, three minutes screen time, mm-hmm. and he still made one heck of an impact. Absolutely, yeah, he's he's, he's fantastic. Yeah, and R.I.P. Sorry to go off kilter, but have you ever heard of the theory of John Candy's character in Home Alone? Uh, No, I don't think so. Okay, so nothing's ever been confirmed, and I think it's probably the internet just being internet-y. But apparently, John Candy's character, so you've got uh, Catherine O'Hara's character, she's dying to get back home so she could be reunited with Kevin, and she says something like, um, I'm sure she says something like, I'd sell my sold just to go and see him then john candy's character appears now the internet says that john candy's character is the devil so he essentially buys her soul takes her (laughs) to kevin so she could be reunited i mean i don't know if that's reddit having a day off or whatever but that is the most bizarre theory i've ever heard about (laughs) such a great john hughes film why why would the internet do that I can't even believe that. <laughs> right? It sounds like something the internet would make up, but um, just for oh, that's oh. a curveball on the situation of what they might think of. Yeah, and, and on a Christmas <laughs> film of all things, like <laughs> very unholy. There's no honor. <laughs> There's no honor these days. You try and find it, no, not there. <laughs> bad, isn't it? <laughs> I know it is. It's really bad. Oh. One thing, one thing I did love about this film, yeah. um, and I, I know we were talking about the songs not long ago, yeah. um, the voice on Ellen Green as Audrey, I, I just, it, it, it really blows me away because she does this wonderful thing how when she talks, she has a very fragile, very childlike voice. Yeah. You know, this is somebody who is actively asking for help without physically saying she needs help. Mm-hmm. You know, she's a, she's a damsel in distress. But then when she starts singing and you just see her come alive, this voice comes out of nowhere and you're thinking like, is that the same person? But it's, it's almost like her inner strength coming out and Audrey's actually a lot stronger than what she makes out. And it, it's the one thing that's always stayed with me. You know, you listen to it when you hear uh, uh, suddenly Seymour or somewhere that scream, yeah. you know, you, she has that sort of frail timber to her voice, but all of a sudden the power just radiates out of her and it, just, it blows me away every single time i watch this film i know it's it's quite taken back with the like say the, the squeaky child like excuse me like it's really <laughs> really timid and everything. i was surprised when she spoke first yeah. first spoke i was like oh my goodness it's really really yeah. squeaky yeah, yeah. i was shocked yeah. straight away though it came to Frenchie out of Greece came in. Tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, Francis, she is my queen. <laughs> I was like, I'm long like, live Frenchie. Yeah, ex- 
exactly. I was like, he's the same person. Paul's like, no, he's clearly not so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I agree with um, what you're saying when Audrey was singing as well in Suddenly Seymour, that part where she's so powerful. It's a little bit like, you know, when Adele speaks, like, <laughs> and you've got kind of like her voice and then she sings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's quite a shift, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. She sang, yeah. It's like some people sing, but she sang. <laughs> and um, that she's, I think she's one of the original from the Broadway uh, cast, I believe, as well, isn't it? So she's the only one yep. to, so from the original actual uh, Broadway mm-hmm. shows. So that's that shows her powerful voice and and her acting ability, I suppose, in terms of bringing light to the character. That's amazing. Yeah. I did not know that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. The the embodiment that she has, you know, she really she really catches Audrey and makes her, I'd probably say, a lot more three-dimensional than what it would be on paper because you think she's just this poor woman who unfortunately has very bad taste in men and suffers the consequence of it. But actually, you know, that there's again the whole thing about this film is layers. And I feel like Audrey is definitely somebody that has layers, you know. I think she's mm-hmm. a lot more stronger, more wiser than what um certainly are in took her for and you know with Seymour this is somebody that really really cares for her just wants to be with her and love her and and especially at the conclusion of suddenly Seymour when you know they they belt out that last note mm-hmm. and then just embrace into a kiss and uh, I mean it might be me getting old and I'm just getting softer in my old age but it always just grabs me by the heart and just like won't let go I just think it's such a real emotional moment that you feel it, it, it uh, every time Every flipping time. What about the point, obviously, with the seeing the director's cut, I didn't know this was going to play out the way it did, obviously, like uh, Audrey, mm. like, attacks... Uh, sorry, Audrey 2 attacks Audrey. Mm. Uh, and then, obviously, yeah. like, a fatal bite to her, and then Seema kind of, like, takes her out back, mm. and it's like, oh, no, you're going to be okay type of thing. And then she's kind of, obviously, like, singing, like, holding her hand down, and it's like, oh, I want to let uh, Audrey to eat me so that I can be a part of your world or something is that uh, something like that isn't it yeah really? so she can be with <laughs> him a part of him yeah so that that's kind of like almost like a quite a poetic way of them both kind of like being together in a way and mm-hmm. that's quite that's quite like a, a touching moment and something I kind of prefer that that it played out that way because it's kind of adds a bit yeah. more impact to the story as opposed to yeah. like I just killed the monster and then let's, let's skip off into the sunset type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe it's just the, the, the cynical side of me. I kind of like a bit of like uh, a bit of depth, I suppose. But um, and then see more kind of like then he, he obviously then thinking it's right. I've kind of like got nothing now. I'm just gonna be with Audrey mm. inside of Audrey too as well. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. This I mean it's it's such a declaration of love where. You- you're willing to be a part of that person's demise by entering that demise of your own, you know, having the mind that you've both entered that the end of life to, in a very similar way. So therefore you'll be bound together for the rest of your lives or mm-hmm. the rest of your memory, at least. And you're right. It, it's so, it's so, tra- it, there's such tragedy amongst how, how their journey ends in, mm-hmm. in this cut, but also it's the right one. It's, it's, that is the way how that should be encapsulated you know like it's I I prefer the poetic side of it I prefer sort of like the the Greek tragedy because I think this film is like a total Greek tragedy Mm -hmm. everything that Seymour cares about or loves or works around like um Audrey too just takes it all away just eats it consumes it like devours it and Mm -hmm. yeah more Greek tragedies (laughs) it really does get you though with Audrey for me when she says that kind of gives me that that, that feeling of like kind of whelming up because she's she loves Seymour so much that she wants him to still carry on and she can kind of feed Audrey too and she wants him to carry on with his life and mm. it's that loving kind of connection but you can tell that Seymour can't kind of go on without Audrey so it's like this bittersweet yeah. moment of kind of seeing Audrey been so giving of herself so that Seymour can kind of be successful and carry on and I just I really think it's poetic but then a part of me thinks Audrey too is just conniving because the way that he decides to go and get the phone 
like how savvy is he that he can now get money out of a cash <laughs> register, register yeah, yeah. and dial how does he even know the number <laughs> that's the point yeah <laughs> He's sassy, that's for sure. He you know, weirdly it's a love-hate one for me. It's like a bit like Marmite. Uh, that's a perfect villain, isn't it? Kind of like kind of you love to hate, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what yeah. I kind of like about the, the the creature as well. It's kind of kind of like that goofy charm to it because obviously like it's kind of like a, a, a smiling plant like um like Sophie kind of mentioned in the blurb initially when she said oh is it a bit like the the plant from Mario the kind of that big you know like very cartoon like <laughs> in, in that sense but it's also like it does look kind of it does kind of fit into sort of like a realistic kind of design in terms of like the color patterns that the, a plant might have and everything like that so there's a bit of believability there so it's kind of a menacing presence in the film so it's, I, I think it's a really strong mm-hmm. design of melding the two together really. I do love when there are villains be it plants or non-plants villains where they have that side of personality to them that you just you just can't help but love like um, an example of that I can think of is Gremlins. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially Gremlins 2, the new batch yes. um, where there was a lot more personality to each of them and of course you had uh, the one that could speak with a, a very fine British accent that was very astute, uh, and then ended. I think he ended the film in like a, a like a suit with a little monocle or glasses, singing "New York, New York." Yeah, I love that. But, um, I love that. but I love that. You know, like I think. Oh, oh God! I had I had a sort of pirated video copy of it when I was a kid, and the one bit that I always rewound to—I don't even know why. I think it's because I really wanted to be scared. The one bit I rewound to constantly was when Phoebe Cates was in the lift, and then the Gremlin's hands would come out and grab her ankles oh. and her <laughs> head, and yeah. I just—you got to have—you got to have charisma when it comes to villains, because then how else are you going to almost care for them but not? In a way that you would a hero. That's right. Yeah, I know. You you just gotta t- you just gotta embrace them a little bit, I guess, for for mm. what they are, and it's and th- that is just how they are. That's how they've been written. So you gotta kind of just d- deal with it. I think it is like for me, like the Joker as well. He's especially watching his background as well. After that, then yeah, yeah, it yeah. kind of he's like my love to hate. So he, even though he's a really bad villain. He's so comical the way he does things that you kind of don't want to know. You're kind of mm. laughing at what he's doing, even though he's, it's bad. But at the same time, then when you watch why he's become that way, I, I don't know the psychology of his mind, then that made me kind of sympathize mm-hmm. with him. So I was like, okay, yeah, fair yeah. enough. You, you're kind of shooting and killing everyone, but I get why now. So it's okay in my yeah. head. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That that um that origin story is so so important. So then you can kind of understand why why that character or that villain is the way it is. And with um, with Audrey too, it, it was the fact that you know it got, it got a little taste and it wanted more. I mean, that sounds like me any day of the week when I'm looking at my cupboards and I'm going, I could get a spoonful of Nutella and eat that jar dry. But I choose not to because I'm a bigger person. <laughs> that is such a good analogy. Mine would be peanut butter. Like literally, I could eat. Oh it. yeah, <laughs> I'm with you there. With you there. <laughs> I'm trying. There was something else I was going to say. It's gone. What you was it? Say? Was it about what you would eat or? No, it no. wasn't. <laughs> Oh, I can I could go on for days. Yeah, (laughs) what would I eat? (laughs) My addiction at the moment is those um, Mauam sweets. You know, like (gasps) just the little stripes. Oh yes. I don't know. There's some about them. Really, no, no. They have. um, I don't know what it is, but I think it's like the juice. Like when you when you have like a fruit sweet. Yeah. Um. Sometimes you know you can you can strike a goal with a fruit pastel is always nice, but then you get the ones where it's almost like a hint. So if you get something like melon, you you might as well just be eating like a dry ice cube. But Maoams, oh, I I hear you, buddy. Like they are <laughs> they are laced with with something flavor. that just yeah. keeps you coming back for more. Oh, all that sweet sweet flavor. Mwah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> 
So is that what your kind of order two would be? Is that literally yeah, we're going to feed, feed you with feed mounds, mounds. and then you can take over the world Ooh. somehow? Yeah, yeah. I've, you know what? I've got to say, even though I was saying about Nutella, my Audrey two addiction, and I I make no apology for this Pringles. You know, and it's I, I know it was a marketing ploy, but it really is true when they say once you pop, you cannot stop, and I felt that with all of my being. <laughs> But the serious question is which flavor? Oh, this is this is a whole concophony of flavors now. Um, I've got to say, if I if I could, because this one for some reason this flavor is always quite hard to get. So, I love a prawn cocktail. Now I know it's it's a very controversial flavor because mm. it it can be quite um almost too sweet, but it it yeah. it can be quite sharp, like when you have salt and vinegar, you know, when it, it gets really sharp. So I would say that, but also can't say no to a barbecue mine mine are probably salt and vinegar but they they are they can be sometimes very salty and my lips go like yeah. really like white <gasps> so you get as a telltale sign too. Have, been, have it have yeah. it yeah yeah i don't know why that is but yeah maybe they just put too much salt on them you were like literally a child he will be upstairs because he has his own little attic room like a man yeah. cave and if he's got some <laughs> he's got a drawer with snacks and if he's got some Pringles in there, literally the giveaway is he's got the white lips that looks like he's got like white lipstick on. <laughs> like, have you been eating Pringles? No. <laughs> of <course> no. <laughs> it does get that bad when you start having a secret stash. And I I have been known to um to hide certain snacks, like that pop chips as well. A, a barbecue pop chip. Mm. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I've um, I've really try to like not do that because I like to feel like I'm in a marriage where there's no secrets but I really cannot hide my addiction to these tube crisps for any longer and I feel any day I'm gonna get rumbled <laughs> it'll be the giveaway of the lips I tell you <laughs> yep you'll be like white lips white lips I knew it I knew it <laughs> do we have anything else to um, bring up about the film before we go to the scoring oh you know what i'm looking at all of my notes and mm. i'm like okay special effects we talked about that steve martin he's all on there as well got the all the the layers that i wanted to mention yeah. you know i think we got it guys i think we got it i think we did actually yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i've even got my hercules point in and killing plan oh you know what absolutely lovely hearing about the muses they they are always overlooked so lovely to hear them <laughs> i used to love hercules when i was little i think my favorite oh. disney's i'm so controversial so this is why I... no it's good so hercules was there mm. i would say um pocahontas was definitely up there and uh, mulan was my favorite disney's i wasn't like a snow white girl <gasps> or oh, anything like that or cinderella females. Mm. Yeah. strong females yeah yes um, weirdly swan princess i do not know why that's not disney is it no. I, I, oh I was, which one that is does it dream no it's not dreamworks i don't know um, I, I was obsessed with that and i do not know okay why. Mm. that one was I, that was like my main <laughs> one but even like it's kind of being cast into the shadows it's not even like out there that much now but i used to love that when i was young yeah <laughs> nice i i mean I, i've got a lot of love for like the um the princess and the frog i think like that's such a yes. underrated disney film i love princess yana mulan hell to the yes like so good um and i don't know why i think it's because it's quite creepy like again love my layers like bloody onion me but i do love pinocchio because that i mean that film gets dark very very quickly and as a kid i just i didn't really put all of that together i just thought oh it's unfortunate that those young boys are being turned into donkeys but uh, i think like the late and as well like there's a whole scene about oyster baby oysters and that seal kind of going oh come here baby oysters and it is so frightening you're like that that needs like a BBC Panorama episode because I'm sure like you three are all over that. It, it's just, <laughs> it is so wrong, but it's, it's one of, it's so fascinating to watch. Like the whole, like, I mean, the, the film ends with like them in a whale's stomach. How, how do you get a film to that point? It's bizarre. <laughs> Don't get it. <laughs> it's just so weird. I'm like, yeah, I'm all for it. <laughs> so yeah, there's, 
There's that. And I think there's um, a live action Pinocchio coming up too. Oh, I did see that actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I've, I've there's, I mean, there's been many adaptations of it, but yeah. It's an, oh, is it Guillermo yeah. del Toro, I think? Is he, is he doing anything? Is it, is it him who's working on if it? If so, I, I, I kind of hope that be it be is wrong. because that would. Hmm. You imagine, like, when the boys turn into donkeys, if del Toro's in charge of that scene. <laughs> yeah. Forget about it. <laughs> Jeez. I'm all in. <laughs> I'm all in. <laughs> Should we talk about Pinocchio? <laughs> Sorry. We need to watch Pinocchio again because all I can remember uh, is donkeys. Uh, like, yeah, I haven't seen yeah. it in a while. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's that. I, it's such it's such like a mishmash because I mean you have the donkeys, you've got like the baby oysters, which is terrifying. Um a whale, you've got a blue fairy in there, you've got a cricket who talks. Um well, there's there's a whole um <laughs> uh there's like a puppet master. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jiminy yeah. Cricket, exactly. And then you've got like this mad like kind of marionette guy who like kidnaps Pinocchio. Basically, Pinocchio has it really rough in this story, and I feel so sorry for Geppetto, like he just wants his boy back. But oh god, it's just it's a it's quite a traumatic film actually. Like I feel like I've opened quite a lot of doors thinking about it now. <laughs> should have just said busy. Cinderella. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she just said Cinderella. That's nice and simple. Yeah. You lose a shoe, you get it back. Happy days. Why <laughs> <laughs> can't be like that? Okay. Um, so yeah. With that, with that being said, I think we'll go to this, <laughs> the scoring now. So we'll open it up to you first, Gemma. For we always like our guests uh, score the film first. Uh, so it, it's um, one to ten, and you, you can do point fives mm-hmm. like we we do sometimes with with our films. But it can be any point system that you want in terms of like eight point five or eight point two or something. If you how mathematical you like to, to be, be. Ah, to you, but it, I'm on a I like that. It's like a like a a rating Richter scale. I'm down for that. But I'm gonna be I'm gonna be really nice and straightforward because I'm simple. Um right, so it's it's a great film. I can't believe it's taken me so long to get on board with watching this and realizing just how important it is in the world of pop culture. Um there are better musicals, I, I can't deny that. But I do understand its place in uh, in in musical cinema, uh, in Broadway, etc. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, because I love the fact it's so bright and it's so colourful and it is very memorable, I'm going to give it a solid seven out of ten. You're pondering now. I can see you're going to you're going to yeah. pass it over to me <laughs> right. now. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go. That's the word. It's you. It's you. If you haven't seen it before, it's you to score. Uh, yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so. For me, musicals, obviously, I would scar, scar, no, I wouldn't. I would. I would. (laughs) I would say Singing in the Rain is a 10 for me. That's like my high point. So I'm trying to barge kind of there. I don't think it's fully an outright 10. I can't really say that. Mm. I do enjoy it thoroughly. And I definitely think it's got rewatchable value over and over again. And there'll be so many things. I probably haven't seen and I'll want to watch it again and be like oh I didn't actually twig on that part yet again so colourful the music is really catchy Audrey and Seymour well just god love them you just they're better than Romeo and Juliet for me that that relationship (laughs) (laughs) truth (laughs) and they both die tragically anyway so it's the same very piece of Shakespeare there (laughs) and I just think it's overall enjoyable. I kind of really relate with the plant side of things as well. So I hope I don't get to the far point of having to feed it blood. Mm-hmm. So for me, I would say, I, I was thinking of it before and I don't know if I'll reevaluate, but I'm, I'm going to go quite high. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go nine. And it's just because it's singing, it's, it's lighthearted. It's the best monster film apart from Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> right okay um now see i i'm in the camp of putting it high as well but i don't know if i'm if if i'm gonna go above yours to be honest you're gonna shock me now <laughs> because I, I i can't think of a reason why it shouldn't be so high up because like i say the benchmark like similarly like you sophie is for singing in rain being a 10 and like la la land as well that was a 10 
So I kind of, I don't know if there's something about getting into like the, the musical side, maybe it's just a, a growing a bit older and being a bit more like open to them a bit more. But if they've got good stories behind it, as well as some musical numbers that I do like, then yeah, sure. But the, coming back to this after so long and like how the music like take, took me back to from last time I watched it and stuff and and like all the vibrant colours and everything that's got going on for the, the, the story, the beats and everything. The creature design is it's pretty pretty flawless, I'd say, like I've been talking about throughout this discussion. And and just for the fact that the, there's this alternate ending that opens up so much more to the story and it just, just changes everything, the aspect of like what I expected from the film. I think it, can, it probably would have been would have probably been a nine had it just been the the, the pick white picket fence ending that it would from the theatrical version. Mm. But I think solely because it's gone with this whole like 20 minute alternate ending with the destruction and the thing that I kind of like, and it's kind of like a like tongue in cheek, like dark humor to it. I think it's going to be a 10. Really? Yeah. I wow. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't feel like I can not, not give it a 10 because of I get all aspects of like the singing and the, the monster mm. that I like yeah. and then just, yeah. just everything it has to offer really. And it's just so enjoyable. Yeah, and it's easy to come mm. back to. I feel it's not like one of those things that you can't just oh here we go again. And if you did rewatch it now, which which ending? I'm guessing. Oh, it's still go the director's call all the way. Now. All the way. Yeah, now. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, re- it's really nice to hear your both of your reasonings as well. Now I'm like, oh, should I just shove my score up one extra and put it as an eight? <laughs> no, I feel, feel like an eight is because no, I I really I really really like your reasonings, and you know, and I think um, it is such a it is such a film like it it's really hard not to not enjoy you know what I mean it's it yeah. is such an enjoyable film with lots of you know despite the fact that there's quite a dark subject you know there's, mm-hmm. there's death going on there's a bit of bit of capitalism here there and everywhere yeah. but it is just such a joyful experience to watch and it's lovely to hear both of your reasons and uh yeah I, I can argue with that I completely agree okay so, uh, would you like to change the score, or would, or would you like to keep let's it? go eight? Yeah, go on, <laughs> shove it up a point higher. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, How yeah. dare I? Seven. How dare I? Ugh, I'm sorry <laughs> you had to listen to that. I, d- I was a bit worried, thinking, "Oh my god, oh, are we really going to be like so much higher than what I was going <laughs> to?" Threw me, threw me off a little bit. It was like, to be fair though, you did put Gemma literally like you guessed. So we were like, you go first, yes. and we're like, yeah, hey, yeah, you're like, what oh, do we what's think? The benchmark here, yeah. But then I did it before, and then I've had a really bad score, and I and I still stuck with that, and it, I can't remember what it was now. Oh, it was that weird one that you made me watch. You have to, um, you have to <laughs> narrow it down a little. Bit, so, sorry. All I remember was this man came out of a suitcase, Paul, and. I was like, how did he fit in that suitcase? And he was like, oh, Sophie, it's not real. It oh, was all hypothetical. Um, old boy, I think that was. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, wait, where were, uh, did you watch the, the American the, the, version? No, the, it was the Korean one, don't worry. Yeah, the original. Oh, yeah, yeah. excellent. Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't put, good. So, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even put Sophie <sighs> through that one, sorry. I got, I got really frightened then. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, that would have been zero out of ten, surely. <laughs> Bonus yeah. numbers. I did score it low, though, but I think it's because I didn't get it, did I? Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a heavy subject, though, it, I guess. It was what yeah. yeah. Pinocchio <laughs> levels of heaviness. Yeah. <laughs> but I think this is definitely something I would, like, I'd love to see, like, an actual, like, you know, some stage production of it and see how it probably, like, ugh, yeah. this, by comparison it's probably nothing but obviously it's you know with a budget and stuff but I think it would be something I really enjoyed like going to see like you know like the Lion King or something like mm. in, a, mm-hmm. in a theatrical way yeah yeah definitely would um I'm down for that if you want to go mm-hmm. <laughs> if it even is a thing <laughs> yeah 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 that room for one more I'd be so down for that that'd be great yeah. I'd want to sing with Audrey though I'd be like singing suddenly Seymour with her yeah <laughs> even though I can't sing I would give it a go <laughs> Just, I'm just gonna lip sync and just pretend her voice is mine. You'd be amazing at that. I can, I can already envision it. <laughs> Many a times I've done it in my nights. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Gemma, for taking time to join us on this episode. It's been a blast. Oh, um, an absolute pleasure. And honestly, thank you so much. It's been so wonderful recording with you guys. And uh, yeah, just, just thank you. Pleasure is all mine.
Um, where can people find you on the social media, your Instagram and Twitter? If you like me sort of recommending good TV and films and berating the odd right-wing politician, you can find me on Twitter at, at thatgemmap. And I'm, I like to be a visual person. So if you do find yourselves in the parts of Instagram and you like cat pictures, well, you come to the right place. <laughs> It'll be hello underscore Gemma. Excellent. Excellent. So you can find our, all our other episodes over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and wherever else you might get your podcasts from. And of course, you can follow us on social media on Instagram and Twitter under the handle SP underscore film viewers. So thank you once again, Gemma, for joining us. I hope that you've had some fun talking about this film. Oh, I've absolutely loved being here. So thank you guys. Genuinely, thank you. You're both absolutely lovely. So cheers. So thank you very much, everybody, for listening. And we will speak to you next time. Speak to you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.